This is Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. The opinions voiced in Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Guests on Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, a registered investment advisor. Good Saturday morning, Dick Donahue with you. Wealth Wake Up Live here on KGMI, Wealth Advisor, Certified Financial Planner, all those good things. Going to start out this week with the weekly wrap for this week, and the 2023 rally hit an air pocket this week. Investors might have been looking to take some money off the table after sizable gains over the previous two weeks. In addition, growth and rate height concerns, which have been put on the back burner to start the year, seemed to be back in play. The market initially reacted positively on Wednesday to the welcome slowdown in inflation reflected in the December producer price index, actually down a half a percent. Any optimism that may have come from that pleasing PPI report quickly dissipated, though as investors digested the weak retail sales and manufacturing data from December. Briefly, retail sales fell 1.1% month-over-month in December. After falling a revised 1% in November, and industrial production decreased 7 tenths of a percent month-over-month in December, after decreasing into revised 6 tenths of 1% in November. Previously, that had been down 2 tenths of 1%. The main indices sold off on Wednesday due to the understanding that the Fed is likely to remain on its rate hike path in spite of weakening economic backdrop, increasing the risk for a policy mistake to trigger a deeper setback. Selling efforts had the S&P 500 take out support of its 200-day moving average. Market participants also received official commentary on the economy when the FOMC, that's the Federal Open Market Committee, released its latest beige book at 2 p.m. on Wednesday. On balance, contracts, contacts generally expected little growth in the months ahead. St. Louis Fed President Bullard, who is a non-FOMC voter, added fuel to the market's concerns, <clears throat> saying that, the, they, that she would prefer that the Fed stay on a more aggressive path, according to CNBC, but added that the prospects for a soft landing have, have improved. I'll give you a little bit more of her input here in a few minutes. Uh, Thursday's trade looked a lot like Wednesday's trade, with investors reacting to more data and commentary pointing towards weakening growth and the possibility of the Fed taking a policy mistake. Building permits decreased for the third consecutive month in December, actually 1.333 million. Um, the report, however, contains some po- one positive element as single-family starts grew 11.3% month over month. Weekly initial claims were released at the same time, which decreased at their lowest level since September, and they were actually down about 100 to 190,000. It had been expected to be about 212,000, implying that no due difficulties in the labor market that could put a quick stop to the Fed's hiking cycle. J.P. Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Dimon said in the CNBC interview Thursday morning that I think there's a lot of underlying inflation that won't go away so quick, adding that he thinks rates will drop will top 5%. As earnings season progresses, the main sticking point for stock market participants is the potential that weather, uh, that weaker growth will translate to further cuts in earnings estimates. The Dow component Goldman Sachs sold off sharply on Tuesday after reporting below consensus earnings and revenue, along with increased provisions for credit losses. So far, however, <coughs> quarterly results have generally received positive reactions from investors. In contrast, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley received a favorable reaction despite fourth quarter earnings miss. Another notable name that reported earnings was Netflix, which surged 8.5% on Friday and led to renewed interest in the tech space. This helped drive the sentiment shift that fueled a strong rally effort on Friday. 
The rebound effort to close out the week had the NASDAQ composite recoup all of its losses, while the S&P 500 and Dow Jones Industrial Average put a nice dent in their weekly losses. The S&P 500 was able to climb back above its 200-day moving average by Friday's close. Only three S&P 500 sectors were able to log a gain this week. Communication services up 3%, energy up 7 tenths of 1%, information technology up 7 tenths of 1%. While the industrials were down 3.4%, utilities down 2.9%, and consumer staples also down 2.9% were sectors that suffered the steepest losses. The two-year Treasury note yield fell two basis points this week to 4.20%. The 10-year note fell three basis points to 3.48%. And the U.S. dollar index fell two-tenths of 1% to 101.99. West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil Futures rose 2.3% to $81.69 a barrel. Natural gas futures fell 5.3% to $3.03. Separately, Treasury Secretary Yellen noted that Congress via a letter that the debt ceiling had been reached, prompting the Treasury Department to begin employing extraordinary measures. So, year-to-date, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is now up 7 tenths of 1%. The NASDAQ is up 6.4%. The S&P 500 is up 3.5%. And the Russell 2000 is up 6% as well. And looking at our high-frequency data that we track every week, the initial jobless claims as of January 13th, as I mentioned a minute ago, were 190,000. That was a continued drop of 7.3%. Now, back compared to 2019, there were 211 initial claims. And continuing jobless claims also uh, saw a little bit of an increase, about 1% this week. Box office receipts for the weekend in the 19th were up or down 1.2%. Rail car traffic continued to increase substantially, up 16.7%. Steel production, uh, number of net tons there was up four-tenths of 1%. Hotel occupancy, a big jump, 16.1% as for the week ending the 14th of January. Uh, restaurants, uh, operational state of restaurants were up 2.1%. TSA checkpoint data as of the 19th, 1,956,242 passengers a day. That was a drop of about two-tenths of 1% week over week. The supply of motor gasoline in the U.S. as of the 13th of January was up 6.5%. And global commercial flights as of January 19th, 104,560. That was basically even with where it had been before. I'm going to quickly hit this uh, remarks from the Fed, Kansas City Fed Chair Esther George. She is actually retiring this month. Officials don't. She said officials don't want to raise interest rates by so much that policy becomes overly restrictive for the economy. This scenario can, she said, can be for a soft landing. It's one that we would all want to see. There are some possibilities that there's still a lot of money sitting in checking accounts and households. And this is according to a report she did with Bloomberg. Uh, she uh, led the bank in, in Kansas City since October of 11. She's stepping down for mandatory retirement. So she will not attend the January 31st and February 1st, February 1st meetings, and they have not appointed a successor for her. The Fed officials are mulling further moderation in the pace of rate hikes to slowing inflation. We saw them raise uh, uh, rates a half a percent um, to four and a quarter percent to four and a half percent, which is slowing down that three quarters of a percent rate that they were doing. So she is optimistic. She supported the moderation in rate increases. And she says, we are reaching a point where I think it will be important to start looking around corners. So, interesting remarks. Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up Live here in KGMI. We'll be back shortly. Plumbers, electricians, HVAC technicians. These jobs are in demand right now, big time. For every five retiring, just one is entering the trades. As we come into a new year, it's time to change the definition of success and how to achieve it. Hi, I'm Brad Barron, CEO at Barron Heating, AC, Electrical, and Plumbing. My grandpa Dan founded Barron over 50 years ago with the goal to provide our community with quality service while supporting his employees with exceptional careers. To carry on his legacy, we're on a mission to prove that a career in the 
trades is a rewarding one. In his honor, the Barron team created the Dan L. Barron Trades Scholarship, which will provide opportunities to individuals looking to enter the HVAC, electrical, or plumbing trades. Barron will provide two $5,000 scholarships to Bellingham Technical College. Start a new career this new year. Apply today. Applications may be submitted at barronheating.com scholarship now through January 31st. Barron, your full-service HVAC, electrical, and plumbing contractor. Our mission, improving lives. Sir, are you okay? I uh, don't like to fly. What are you worried about? I don't know. Engine trouble at 47,000 feet, maybe? Maybe had you taken the car in for regular service before it had engine trouble, we'd be driving the legendary Route 66 instead of flying over it. Could I get a couple of aspirin? Have Bellingham Automotive schedule your bumper-to-bumper inspection and oil change before it's too late. Call the shop or visit BellinghamAutomotive.com today. KPUG is the sports leader, bringing you complete coverage of the Seahawks, Mariners, Huskies, and our high school athletes. We put you in the stands of the biggest games, including the Super Bowl, the World Series, March Madness, and state championships. Plus, KPUG features the best in sports analysis and entertainment, from Dan Patrick and Jim Rome to Mike Greenberg and our own Mark Skolton. If it's happening in sports, it's on. KPUG 1170, 97.9 FM, KPUG 1170.com. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. And I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the men who died, who gave that right to me, and I gladly stand up. Welcome back. Again, we're Asset Advisors. We are located out on the Pacific Highway that's out next to Wilson's Furniture in the Pacific Commerce Center. Our address is 5060 Pacific Highway, Suite 101 Ferndale, 98248. Phone number is 360-733-1200. And check out our website at wealthwakeup.com. Okay, well, taking a look at we're in a new year and seeing a lot of information, a lot of things going on out there, I think there's five global issues that you might not want to watch this year when it comes to thinking about what's happening with the markets and the economy and your investments and all the other things. And, of course, this is a new age of great power rivalry, rivalry, and it's redrawing the map of the world economy. It's forcing business chiefs to navigate around a growing number of global flashpoints. The hot war age raging in Europe, cold one escalating between the U.S. and China, the rest of the world is under pressure to pick sides. Political leaders are imposing new economic priorities as they battle to avert shortfalls with vital commodities, from natural gas to semiconductors, and use of the ones that they control as leverage. As the titans of commerce gathered in Davos this week, all this makes marks a shift away from the era of ever closer global ties. When big business thought it succeeded in making the world flat, now it's in for a bumpier ride. So debate at the World Economics Forum revolved around emerging geoeconomic risks. Some center on key goods and markets, like the worldwide focus on energy security since Russia's invasion of Ukraine, or the U.S. campaign to deprive China of cutting-edge technology. Others are geographic, above all the threat of conflict in Taiwan. So here's an overview of some of those lightly hot spots this year that you may want to think about. One is weaponized energy. Energy is the heart of the economic war that's pitting the U.S. and its allies against Russia. Both sides have sought to weaponize it, and there's a potential for further turmoil this year. President Vladimir Putin says Russia won't sell any oil, to any nation participating in price caps that the U.S. and its group of seven uh, allies are trying to impose. For now, that means a $60 a barrel limit. The G7 rules have helped push Russia's crude exports well below that threshold, potentially squeezing Putin's ability to finance the war. But Russia still has its buyers, notably India, China, and Turkey. It also has the option of shutting down supply altogether, which would wreak havoc in oil markets, threatening to repeal of last year's crude price hike that pushed inflation higher everywhere. 
It's not all about crude oil, though. Similar curves are with refined Russian products like diesel are due to kick in next month. Some Western officials worry that that could trigger shortages. The shutdown in Russia natural gas pipelines has left a big hole in global supply. But so far, because of a warm European winter, this has helped make the shortfall less acute and bring gas and power prices down. So this year, we'll likely see nations scramble to lock in a, a scarce shipments of liquefied fuel. In the battle for semi-chips, semiconductors, crucial components of everything from electric cars to ballistic missiles and new artificial intelligent technologies are emerging as one of the global economy's most important battlegrounds. In the last year, the Biden administration has wielded various tools, including export controls to prevent China from buying or manufacturing the most advanced chips. It's also launched $52 billion subsidy program for the domestic chip industry in order to bring manufacturing capabilities back home. The U.S. has says as its blunt force restrictions are aimed at the Chinese military capabilities, while Beijing says that we're part of a wider effect to halt China's economic advance. Whatever the case, American allies will need to be on board for the curbs to work. The Netherlands and Japan, which hosts some of the most advanced chip firms, have already agreed. Compliance will come with a cost, as the firms that make chips or machinery to build them may toss out, may lose out on this vast Chinese market. Meanwhile, Beijing is plowing cash into its own semiconductor industry, though cost-cutting-edge technologies will likely be tough to replicate and could could seek to retaliate if restrictions are tightened. So there's also that war over Taiwan. U.S. and European leaders fear that the next front of new Cold War, which could turn hot, will be Taiwan. China has claimed Taiwan as its own since the ousted, ousted national government in Beijing fled there after the Communist Revolution. The Pentagon said recently it has no sign of imminent attack, but expects more of the aggressive behavior that's become a pattern since former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi triggered a furious reaction from Beijing by visiting the island in August with an increase in military drills and intrusive actions by air and sea. President Biden has also promised to send American forces in the event of invasion, something that he's ruled out doing in Ukraine. But on top of the obvious risks of direct conflict between superpowers, there's also the economic dimension of the standoff. At home, the world's largest chipmaker, TSMC, Taiwan is critical to all kinds of global supply chains, even as escalation of short of war like a Chinese blockade, could set off a colossal domino effect. The Chinese move against Taiwan, likely the Western response, is a contingency that everyone is planning for. Every single firm is gaming out what those sanctions would look like and what it would be if they should be an ally to the U.S. There's also what we call friend shoring and subsidies. Governments are increasingly willing to use their economies as tools of of statecraft. Of offense, that really means denying rivals access to goods or markets. On defense, it means only allies can be trusted to deliver strategic supplies, an idea known as friend-shoring. But friends can fall out. The friendliest shore of all is at home. That's why nations are ramping up their subsidies for their domestic production, a shift away from the free trade orthodoxy, that's already causing frictions. The Biden administration is spending more than $50 billion to boost those chip makers, which I mentioned a minute ago. Also backing the electric industry, car industry, with $437 billion in plans to help fight climate change. Europe reacted furiously, accusing its ally of unfair trade practices and incentivized companies to relocate to the U.S. and says it'll roll out financial supports of its own. The risk of the global subsidies race when the winners are the countries with the deepest pockets, the losers are the economies of the developing world already suffering from growing debt burdens. Then there's the dollar ring. More and more countries, not all of them American adversaries, are seeking ways to conduct more business outside of the dollar because they see the U.S. turning its currency into a tool for advancing foreign policy objectives. (coughs) The Biden administration froze 
some $7 billion of Afghanistan's central bank reserves to keep the money out of the hands of the country's new Taliban rulers. The U.S. and European Union are seeking ways to legally confiscate some half trillion dollars worth of Russian reserves and use them to rebuild Ukraine. It will likely take many years to displace the dollar as the world's reserve asset, if that all had happens at all. The greenback safe haven status was evident last year when it soared to turbulent early months of the Ukraine war. It's entrenched in everything from central banking to com- commodity trade, and there is no clear alternative. Still, countries like Japan, China, Russia, and Iran, as well as India and the Gulf energy giants, have more are more amiable uh, with relations to Washington. They're searching for ways to build trade links that skew the dollar. Chinese President uh, Xi Jinping visited to Saudi Arabia last month, which saw tra- uh, tra- talk of energy deals priced in China's currency with investments set to flow the other way may be a sign of things to come. The risk for the U.S. and its allies is twofold. Their sanctioned weapon, which relies on dollar dominance to be effective, may toss some of the, lose some of its force. They may face higher inflation as trade deals become non-Western econ- economies look or lock key commodities and off the market, pushing prices up for other buyers. So there could be some pretty significant long-term challenges out there. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back shortly. Bad credit can be like a real bad odor Follow you around when you're trying to get a motor Luckily for you, there's some guys in town Saying don't sweat the crunch, come get your car now Liquidation Car Company Bad credit, no credit, it doesn't matter We don't check your credit They're a hassle-free, zero-interest dealership you can count on Serving Whatcom County for nearly 40 years Visit Liquidation Car Company today 5250 Guide Meridian Or online at liquidationcar.com and get rolling again. A real grocery store in Sumas? Yep. At the new Sumas Market, you'll find everything you're looking for and more. Fresh produce, a well-stocked meat department, a huge dairy section, and a great selection of competitively priced beer, wine, and spirits. Like the Sumas Market on Facebook or check out their website at sumasmarket.com for weekly specials. The Sumas Market is open seven days a week from 8 to 7 p.m. The new Sumas Market, your community grocery store, and so much more. The Benevolent and Protective Order of Elks is the premier charitable and patriotic organization in America. For over 130 years, Washington Elks have served our great state. Now we need your time, commitment, and expertise. Visit discoverelks.com to learn about the impact our 35 lodges make in Washington State. Become a member. Make a difference. Join in on the community, friendship, and charitable works of the Elks. Sponsored by the Washington State Elks Association and aired in cooperation with the Washington State Association of Broadcasters and this station. Mornings are busy. That's why the KGMI Morning News is your perfect ticket to the world. While you rush to get ready, hear the very latest local, state, and national news. Your KGMI AccuWeather forecast, sports with Mark Skolton, the latest money news, and all the information you need for a great start to your day. The KGMI Morning News, 6 to 9 a.m. each weekday on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM, and KGMI.com. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. Don't worry about your furnace on the coldest days of the year. Talk with West Mechanical, your independent train dealer, about replacing your old inefficient furnace with a train comfort system. Today, find them at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. CBS News Brief. Massive layoffs hitting Google. CBS's Janet Shemlian tells us 12,000 employees are being shown the door. So many people in a similar position and severance packages vary widely. Here at Google, they've announced at least 16 weeks of severance pay and six months of health care. Hackers were able to access the personal data of 37 T-Mobile customers. CBS's Wendy Gillette. The company says the data breach was discovered January 5th and did not include passwords, PIN numbers, social security numbers, or bank account or credit card information. Elon Musk was on the witness stand yesterday. He's being sued over tweets from 2018. Our Steve Futterman reports. Musk told the court, just because I tweet something doesn't mean people believe it and will act accordingly. 
Investors in Tesla accused Musk of lying when he tweeted that he had lined up financing to take Tesla private. They claim because it never materialized, they lost billions. CBS News Brief, I'm Stacey Lynn. Because there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. Welcome back to the this Saturday morning. Hope you're having a good one. Well, interesting. I know the state of Washington's one of them, but we saw seven states this week that introduced wealth bills basically to soak the rich. In these seven blue states, they introduced new bills that want to tax the uber-rich and make them pay more. And the push is basically a coordinated effort by the states to boost their revenues through wealth taxes in a way that Congress has failed to do it. In addition to higher taxes on income and capital gains, state lawmakers are determined to enact a wealth tax that will force rich taxpayers to pay taxes annually on assets that they own rather than just their income that year. This idea was pushed by Senator Elizabeth Warren of Democrat of Massachusetts, but it has gone nowhere in Congress. But the legislation in California, Connecticut, Hawaii, Illinois, Maryland, New York, and Washington, which collectively have about 60% of the nation's wealth, a new plan, new tax plan, basically to soak the rich. Basically, progressive activists, know that there's absolutely no chance that Congress could pass a wealth tax. So they're moving to Plan B, which is a coordinated effort to introduce legislation this week in seven wealthy states to impose higher taxes on the rich. Congress is unlikely to pass or raise taxes in the next two years, simply simply continuing the Trump tax cuts that expire in two years will be tough enough. But basically the states, which are now flush with money, they begin to falter in a recession, tax hikes might be on the table. The bill introduced in New York would also levy an extra 7.5% tax on capital gains for married couples with incomes above 550000 and 15% capital gains tax on people with income over $1.1 million. And the New York proposal would also impose a nearly 30% tax on wealthy New York City residents whose capital gains income, which is twice as high as the 20% tax on long-term capital gains at the federal level. And then state legislatures also said that state taxes are a trial balloon to future federal rate hikes and noted that acting collectively should minimize the threat of people moving to surrounding states with lower taxes. I don't know, there's seven states out of 50. You figure that one out. But... um, we don't think that the seven states are going to stop at their already pronounced tax flight from higher states to lower tax localities like Florida and Texas. One can only imagine the reaction from people in New York City who are going to be classified as rich with an income of 550000 when over half of that money is already being gabble, gobbled up by taxes. The nonpartisan Empire Center for Public Policy reported in December the New York lost 180,341 people during the 12 months ending in July 1st of this year, or last year, and experienced a total population decline of 500, over 524,000 since the census was completed in April of 20, including a loss of 2,000 millionaires, according to the latest Internal Revenue Service data. The exodus could continue also in California. Lawmakers are going to seek to impose a 1.5% annual tax on assets of a billion or more. And Florida, which once had one of these so-called intangible taxes that included investments, has repealed it back in 2007. Makes it even more attractive, doesn't it? And the fact that wealth taxes are imposing, regardless of whether there is an income or at all, regardless of whether net worth is increasing or decreasing, is likely to further fuel increasing tax flight. The economic consequences from both migration and lower economic activity are so significant that even at the national level, most countries have abandoned their wealth taxes that they once had. There were some 13 uh, OECD countries that, uh, uh, that imposed wealth taxes since 1965, but that number dwindles to just three currently. Norway, Spain, and Switzerland by 2022 
with governments increasingly acknowledging that economic harms were intrinsic with such, intrinsic with such taxes. However, Colombia's new left-wing government reinstated a wealth tax at the start of this year. That is the only recent example of state for the states to follow. Amid a general trend of repudiation and repeal, France is a tax on high-end uh, real property, but no longer on other sources of wealth. So we'll have to see where this one goes. But bills were, in, were introduced this week in the state legislature, including our, those from our local legislators. Okay, well, you know, we're finding that uh, caregiving costs with women are cutting into women's ability to retire securely. And for women, caregiving and saving of retirement basically are on a, head, on a head-on collision course. Half of family elder caregivers forfeit their own financial security to address the immediate needs of aging loved ones, according to the National Partnership for Women and Families. It reports that women in their 50s, today's Gen Xers, who give up their career for elder care, also give up about $324,000 in earnings and savings. The research was released in December by Goldman Sachs, reads like an incident report. 63% of Gen Xers, 79% of millennials expect caregiving and associated financial demands to undermine their progress toward retirement goals. 55% of Gen Xers and 72% of millennials predict that they're going to lose earnings and career momentum due to caregiving. Caregiving is one of the biggest drags on building retirement security and one of the least understood. There's really a need to recognize that women are not intentionally sidelining their financial security and financial success, but making a human decision to choose family, life, and values. And the price is paid that women don't see because they're tackling it today. When faced with urgent and unavoidable caregiving needs, women step up their help and step back out of their careers. This implacable expectation is crystallized in a click when often our caregivers, especially when they're weary, frustrated, and fearful for their implications of taking care, say you don't you do it not because of who they are, but because of not because who they are, but because who you are. The retirements of midlife women uh, are, are caregiving collateral damage. The, Go- the Goldman Sachs report found that 43% of respondents had taken time away from work for caregiving. 64% had either paused saving for retirement or drawn down their savings. Respondents were of all genders. Rather interesting report out there, not one that we don't already know that is happening. And when we're talking about women, we're also finding that women are delaying their retirement at a higher rate than men, possibly because they are having to do things like the caregiving along the way. But they find that far more women are delaying retirement as a result also because of the spike in inflation. This was a study that came out from Nationwide Retirement Institute survey of employer-sponsored retirement plan participants and sponsors, and 62% of women are putting off retirement don't believe that they'll ever be able to retire because of inflation, compared to 47% of men. The results show a significant increase from 21, where only one one in four women expected to postpone or abandon their retirement plans due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Their survey also revealed that women are delaying their own retirements to help their loved ones manage rising expenses. In fact, more than one in 10 uh, women who say that they're postponing are canceling their departures. Actually, almost 15% from the workforce say that they're doing so because they had or have to financially support a family member or a friend. Again, back to that caregiving thing, but also because of the result of rising prices. Worse still, the financial stress is taking a toll on women's health and well-being. The report showed that half or 56% of women feel worried about their thinking about their current retirement plan and financial investments, a jump of 22%. From 2021. Moreover, 57% of women who are delaying or canceling their retirement as a result of inflation say that it has negatively impacted their mental health versus 48% of men. They say inflation has made saving for retirement particularly difficult for many Americans, but we're seeing the effects among employer sponsored retirement plan participants, greatest of all, all by women. 
In addition to having to reduce the retirement savings, women are also have the responsibility of save, saving, serving as that caregiver, which we talked before. Women have a long leg behind men when saving for retirement. When you compound this fact with the soft investment landscape, the rising cost of living, you've seen a perfect storm that fosters the perception that women can never stop working. Navigating inflation isn't the only struggle facing women, according to the survey. They're also having a difficult time optimizing their income in retirement. Reports said that over half of female respondents are having a challenging time turning their retirement savings into income in retirement. A scant 4% of women are moderately or extremely familiar with retirement planning for planning for decumulation. All that said, a survey also said that more women than men are interested in solutions that can help them navigate the challenges around inflation and plan better for retirement. Basically, it's common knowledge that there continues to be a gender pay gap in our country. Although the gap is closing, is trending in the right direction, it is moving at a very slow pay speed. According to pay scale in 2022, the uncontrolled gender pay gap was 82 cents uh, for women compared to every dollar that men make. So basically 82 cents on the dollar. The, in addition to this statistic, women tend to be financially more conservative and carry multiple family roles and responsibilities. So a couple of interesting little reports there on the impact on women trying to save for retirement get to that point where they can retire. Not reports I don't think that we don't already realize, but it doesn't hurt for us to sit here and talk about it a little bit. So Dick Donahue will be back shortly. The winter savings continue at Linden Sheet Metal. The holidays are over, but it's not too late to buy a gift for your home and save money while doing it. Linden Sheet Metal has furnace, air conditioner, and heat pump discounts up to $900. Utility rebates up to $1,500. And beginning January 1, there are tax credits up to $2,000 off. And it doesn't end there. Showroom fireplace models are discounted 40%, and new fireplaces are $300 off installation. The benefits of a new energy-efficient fireplace, heating, or cooling system will help you save on future energy bills and can increase the value of your home. Call Linden Sheet Metal today to schedule a free estimate Our consultants will come out and find the best solution for your home. We also offer easy financing with low monthly payments. Now is a great time to upgrade your home. Linden Sheet Metal, serving the Northwest for over 80 years. Are you looking for an auto shop that offers honest quality service? Hi, I'm Kirk, owner of Angler Automotive. At Angler Automotive, we strive to make sure that all of your automotive service needs are met. Angler Automotive provides the factory-recommended services that are required to maintain your vehicle's warranty. Angler Automotive, outstanding quality with honest, reliable service. Check us out online at anglerautomotive.com. Victor deployed for the first time to Afghanistan in 2003. He sustained a moderate traumatic brain injury. One of the most important elements of caregiving is taking care of yourself. For many military veteran caregivers, their caregiving journey starts earlier in life and lasts longer. Visit aarp.org caregiving for a free military veteran's guide to navigate your caregiving journey and better care for your loved one and yourself. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life and I had to start again. Just my children and my wife. Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up Live. Dick Donahue with you this Saturday morning here in KGMI. Always thank you for listening, being with us. If you've got questions for us, you can always give us a call, 360-733-1200. Yeah, seeing all kinds of surveys coming out here. I like to sometimes go through some of this information with you just to give you a feel for what surveys are showing, what people are seeing. Many of them, I guess, you may look at them and say, hey, I already know that. Sorry about that, but I'll do it anyway. But we're also finding that retirees are skipping meals in order to stretch their save surveys or their, their, their savings, according to another survey. And uh, this new study shows that retirement crisis in the U.S. has substantially worsened over the last year due to rising prices and the falling stock market. The average retiree has about $170,726 in retiree in savings. 
Uh, that was down from 191,659 at the start of last year. Meanwhile, the study reveals that 37% of retirees have no retirement savings at all, and that was up from 30% last year. <coughs> the $70,726 figure represents a mere 31% of the $556,400 as recommended under Fidelity's guidelines, while suggesting that having 10 times one's income saved when entering retirement. And the median U.S. income right now is $55,640. So that's where they get that $556,400. But unfortunately, the survey of 1,000 retirees also showed that only one in eight retirees, or 12%, say that they have at least that recommended $555,000 in savings. One out of 12, one out of eight. The survey also revealed that inflation has forced many retirees to make drastic sacrifices. 18% say that they've skipped meals. 24% say that they've skipped medical treatments in order to make their money last longer. The survey results also illustrate that retirees often enter their latter years without realizing how much money they'll need to spend in retirement. Nearly three in five retirees, or 57%, say that the cost of retirement shocked them. According to U.S. labor statistics, the average retiree's household spends a not insignificant 51000 and $48 a year, or $4,254 each month. That's the average nationwide, which may help explain why 48% of retired Americans believe that they were going to outlive their savings. An overwhelming 87% of the respondents said the government should do more to help retired Americans. Social Security serves as a source of income for about 79% of retirees in 2023, and 30% of retired Americans say Social Security is their only form of income. That said, the retirees surveyed did accept some responsibility for their lack of retirement savings, with 51% admitting that they did not sufficiently prepare for their retirement years. I might point out the surveys implied 11% decline in savings during 2022 is less than the 19.4% drop of the S&P 500. So the actual average savings number could have been even lower than that $170,726. The problem could have been even worse than the study suggests, especially when one considers that it revealed about health care issues and other expenses for retirees. You know, there are some things that you can do out there. I don't want to get into it today, but next October we'll talk about it again. You've got some health care supplements out there for your Medicare that uh, really makes some sense. I'm going to just really quickly say Plan G, you pay the premium, things are covered. That's really important, so take a look at it. Some of the MedAdvantage plans don't pay everything you need, and you don't go to the doctor because you got to pay co-pays or you got hospital co-pays. Look at Plan G next time around. Talk to somebody that works in that field. I don't. Okay. We're also seeing, talking about surveys, another one here that came out that uh, some, you know, a majority of U.S., even though I'm talking over here about the uh, uh, skipping meals and all the other good things, also another study came out that said that uh, U.S. adults are confident that they can reach their goals. And uh, so despite inflation and recession, 66% of uh, U.S. adults surveyed in another survey said that they're confident that they can reach their financial goals. That's a new study that came out from New York Life. But only half that number, though, report of being hopeful about their financial future. The results were in a tale of two attitudes. There was 4,410 adults conducted in December. 68% listed inflation as their top concern. 7% reported being in debt primarily through a credit card, mortgage, or home equity loan. Perhaps the most surprising of all that is despite the concerns and confidence of the future, 71% said that they either don't have a financial strategy in place or need help to put, need help with one that they have. And over one in five of the adults report that they're seeking guidance to help them adapt their financial strategy to achieve their financial health goals and to the financial health goals this year, including debt management, building emergency savings, and savings for retirement. Specifically, 83% of the respondents say that they have long-term financial goal. What those goals are, however, varies. The most common ones are building up emergency funds, a top priority for 41% of respondents, and paying off credit card debt 
which was cited by 31% of the people. More interestingly still, the survey found some discrepancies among different demographic groups. For instance, 37% of men feel hopeful, only 20% of, 28% of women. More women feel stressed, 39% of the respondents versus 26% of men. And 77% of all adults report feeling confident that they'll be able to retire at their desired age. Only 44% of women and 45% of Gen Xers feel prepared for retirement. Gen Xers refers to those born between 1965 and 1980, or between the baby boomers and the millennials. And while financial health and confidence for Americans may differ for a lot of different factors, it's worth noting that women and Gen Xers or, or those within the sandwich generation are likely parent caregivers, handling both parent and guardian and unpaid adult caregiving, as we've noted earlier. Survey also reported on how well respondents did at meeting their savings goals this year. Um, on average, adults aimed to save $5,437 last year. They ended up saving an average of a little over 5000 Men tended to save more than women, stocking away seven, a little over 7000 Women, on the average, $3,146. The most surprising, since men didn't tend to save more, but the highest savings rate, in terms of the, uh, of the generation, were millennials. Those born between 1981 and 1996, on the average, they saved a little over $6,000. Basically, younger folks are also likely, more likely to be concerned about the impact of housing market prices and job security. Nearly one in five millennials and the younger Gen Xers listed these as their top financial concerns for the year ahead. And changes brought about by the pandemic natural disasters and shifting workplace dynamics, along with ongoing inflation and uncertainty, continue to impact the well-being of the future. Well, I'm going to see here. Half Americans pause retirement the same as last year. We'll get that maybe on tomorrow's show. Um, I'm going to take a piece here. Um, Carson Group, uh, Jamie Hopkins, is our managing director managing partner of Wealth Solutions at the Carson Group. He also is the author of a very high-selling, one of the best-selling out there books right now called Find Your Freedom, Financial Planning for Life on Purpose. I'm going to go ahead and read an excerpt from that um, that uh, Jamie put out. And he basically says that financial freedom is a term that we hear repeatedly. So often, in fact, it's almost lost its meaning. And while everyone's idea of financial freedom is unique, they all have one thing in common, the time, space, and finding to pursue what brings them joy. So what does freedom mean to you? In life, we must look back to move forward. It's no different in financial planning. Financial planning is deeply personal. It's rooted in your first expectations with money, whether you realize it, these are, those expectations have likely shaped your entire financial mindset. Growing up, this is Jamie speaking, I watched my mother struggle with money, going through life just trying to make ends meet rather than planning for the future. So for me, my financial mindset was rooted in trauma and scarcity. <coughs> Identifying and understanding those first money memories is the key to unlocking our own personal money fingerprints. While they don't fully define us, they do shape us in how we interact with money and how we intentionally we go about pursuing our personal vision of freedom. So think of your financial plan as the defined path for your idea of freedom. Throughout this journey, our goals are mile markers and serve as a way to measure our progress towards our ultimate aspiration, financial freedom. And while the path to finding that vision of freedom may take time and evolve throughout the years, there are concrete steps that you can take today to help create a blueprint for your financial plan. Number one, take the time to reflect on what freedom means to you. Is it the ability to travel and being able to leave a legacy for your children? Or one reflection to help you get started to finish that statement is, if I wasn't so afraid, I would. Second, consider your current financial situation. What is the biggest obstacle in reaching financial freedom? What can you do about that obstacle right now to get closer to financial freedom? Answering that question with nothing 
or I don't know is not acceptable. Challenge yourself to move forward. Number three, identify and prioritize your short and long-term goals to ensure that you're able to live in the moment while also saving for the future. This should be an ongoing process because the life happens and there might be new goals that pop up along the way. Number five, find a trusted advisor who understands who you are and what your ultimate aspirations are. With that foundation, your financial advisor can partner with you to create a financial plan that puts you on the path to reach financial freedom. So he says, I'm not saying saying your financial plan will simply fall into place once you define what your vision or freedom means to you or begins to take the few steps towards that goal. The finances are complicated and they will come in challenges, but the greatest mistake would be assuming that you can't make a financial plan or set goals. So remember that while financial planning is extremely personal, you are not expected to do this alone. This is what prevented his parents from planning for their futures. At any rate, again, that comes from Jamie Hopkins, who's managing partner of Wealth Solutions with the Carson Group, and his new book out there, Freedom, Financial Planning, and Life with a Purpose. Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up Live here on KHMI. Don't forget our show tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. Got questions for us? Give us a call, 360-733-1200. Thanks for being with us. voiced in Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Guests on Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, a registered investment advisor.